This is CNN Breaking News. And welcome to our second hour of The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper, and we begin this hour with the politics lead. The next Trump-Biden debate, it's up in the air. The Biden campaign is refusing to go along with the Trump campaign's sudden push to delay the debate schedule. Biden spokeswoman Kate Benningfield saying, quote, Trump's erratic behavior does not allow him to rewrite the calendar. The Trump campaign is pushing to move the schedule because President Trump is refusing to participate in the virtual debate town hall a week from today. Instead, the president says he wants an in-person debate, despite the fact that he has an active coronavirus infection and could very well be contagious. Plus, as CNN's Caitlin Collins reports, President Trump today said he's looking to restart rallies as he makes these dubious claims that he's no longer contagious based on nothing and will be immune to the virus now that he's had it. The timing of the next presidential debate now in doubt after President Trump rejected a move by organizers to make it virtual due to his COVID-19 diagnosis. That's not what debating's all about. You sit behind a computer and do a debate. It's ridiculous. And then they cut you off whenever they want. A virtual debate would make it impossible for the audience not to see the candidates through the lens of the pandemic. The Trump and Biden campaigns have agreed to do the second debate in person one week later than scheduled, but the two sides are divided over whether a third debate should follow. As his doctors are revealing little information about his health, the president is putting his own spin on things and claims he's ready to resume rallies. I'm back because I'm a perfect physical specimen and I'm extremely young. In his first interview since being hospitalized, Trump wasn't asked when he last tested negative and claimed without evidence that he's no longer contagious less than a week after testing positive. I don't think I'm contagious at all. I'm essentially very clean. The president suggested he caught the virus at a White House celebration for the families of fallen soldiers who insisted on hugging and thanking him. They come within an inch of my face sometimes. They want to hug me and they want to kiss me. And they do. And frankly, I'm not telling them to back up. The Gold Star families who attended the ceremony 12 days ago were tested beforehand and a spokesman told CNN no one has shown symptoms since. The president also lobbed accusations against Senator Kamala Harris that echoed the late Joe McCarthy's Red Scare in the 1950s and stood in stark contrast to Vice President Mike Pence last night. This monster, she's a communist. She's not a socialist. She's well beyond a socialist. And I also want to congratulate you, uh, as I did on that phone call, uh, on uh, the historic nature of your nomination. Thank you. Trump's fresh attacks drowning out what many in Trump world viewed as a successful VP debate. Mike Pence looked like a president to me. On Capitol Hill today, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi cast doubt on the president's health and raised questions about his ability to govern. Tomorrow, come here tomorrow, we're going to be talking about the 25th Amendment. Now, Jake, we asked the White House once again today when the president's last negative test result was before he tested positive last Thursday. They once again refused to say, this time citing his private medical history and saying his doctors want to keep it private. Though, Jake, I doubt that's a standard that's going to apply to his next negative test result. All right, Caitlin Collins, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Joining me now to discuss is the communications director and deputy campaign manager for Joe Biden, Kate Benningfield. Kate, thanks for joining us. Just to be clear, so this debate that was scheduled for October 15th, the second debate, it's a town hall. Biden and Trump are going to appear uh, remotely. Uh, Trump said he wasn't going to do it anymore. Now he wants to, to push it. Joe Biden will not participate because Trump isn't? 
Well, look, here's what people need to understand. Joe Biden and Donald Trump agreed in June to three debates laid out by the Commission on Presidential Debates. Now, at the last minute, Donald Trump clearly doesn't want to have to face voters. Remember, this this is a town hall format debate that we were supposed to have on the 15th. He clearly doesn't want to have to face voters. He doesn't want to have to answer questions about his handling of COVID or his handling of the economy. And so he's trying to rewrite the rules at the last minute. We're not going to allow that. We have agreed to three debates. Joe Biden is eager to talk to voters. In fact, we've scheduled a, a town hall for the night of the 15th. Since Donald Trump doesn't want to show up to the debate, we're going to do a, a national televised town hall on, on the 15th so that Joe Biden can take questions from voters and talk about his plans to move this country forward. So look, we're not going to let Donald Trump rewrite the rules on the one yard line. We had all agreed to three debates laid out by the commission. Yeah. Joe Biden plans to attend those debates. Donald Trump's choosing not to show up. We're going to go do a town hall and have Joe Biden talk directly to the American people. Now, I, I get all that. But in 1980, when Carter refused to participate uh, in a debate, Ronald Reagan still showed up and participated. Why not have Joe Biden do the Commission on Presidential Debates town hall as opposed to setting up your own? Well, we are showing up. We're doing a national network town hall. Uh, we're doing it. I, you guys won't love for me to say this on your air, but we're doing it with ABC. Um, sorry. The That's them probably calling them. right now. Yeah. My, right. Right. Uh, so, you know, we're doing it on ABC. Uh, every voter who was going to tune in to the debate on the 15th can, can have the opportunity to see Joe Biden on ABC. Yeah, on, but why not do the, the commission's 15th? one? Why not do the commission's one? You know, because obviously that's they'd already set it up, planned for it, prepared for it. Why not just do there? Because Donald Trump is because Donald Trump isn't going to show. Donald Trump has already said he's not going to be there. So if Donald Trump isn't going to be there, then we're going to use the opportunity to talk directly to the American people. Do you, would Joe Biden feel safe being in the same room as President Trump? Well, look, I'm, I will say I think that it is troubling that the White House has not been more transparent uh, about uh, the, the health of President Trump and, and the health of those around him as the virus has clearly spread um, throughout the West Wing. What I can speak to is is the steps that we've taken to stay safe. Um, we sorry. Tell Stephanopoulos uh, to stop can, calling, for God's sake. I know, I know, I know. Uh, I can speak to the steps that we've taken to stay safe. Um, you know, from the outset, as, uh, when this virus broke out back in March, we committed to campaigning safely. We have been wearing masks. We have been socially distancing. We've been adhering to the gather limits uh, in states across the country as we've traveled to ensure that we're not gathering more people than is medically advised uh, in those states. So we have taken every precaution to, to stay safe, not just to keep uh, to keep the vice president and Senator Harris safe, but to keep the communities that we're visiting safe as well. Right. So we've taken every precaution. We will continue to do that uh, through the end of this campaign. So the next debate, the third debate, I should say, uh, is two weeks from today, I believe. Uh, and uh, as far as I know, Joe Biden and Donald Trump are still both planning on attending Will Vice President Biden feel safe being in the same room as Donald Trump and the Trump team? Well, the obligation will certainly be on President Trump and the Trump team. But it was last time, too. But it was but it was it was last time, too. And you saw what happened. And it's troubling that the debate commission did not enforce those rules. And we would expect, we would demand, frankly, um, that if we're moving forward with uh, with the third debate, which we hope that we will. Our hope is that we can do a town hall format 
as as agreed to, that we'll have the opportunity for the candidates to talk to voters uh, in that third debate. We would hope that that would become the town hall format. Um, and and assuming that we move forward in person, we will demand that, uh, you know, that President Trump and the Trump team demonstrate that they are not infectious. We'll demand that the commission enforce those rules and that everybody who attends that debate is kept safe. What kind of precautions will you require? I mean, will you demand that the Trump team actually not only claims that they have taken a negative test, but will you have to see the actual negative test before agreeing to be in the same room with the president? Well, look, we our expectation is that the Cleveland Clinic uh, and the commission are going to enforce those rules. We will let the Cleveland Clinic dictate what is medically safe. Um, but but yes, our, our expectation is that they will provide information that uh, unequivocally uh, makes clear that uh, nobody attending is infectious. Um, and we're going to take every single precaution that we can, as we have from the outset. I mean, we have really you know, we have campaigned um, responsibly. Joe Biden believes that the words and the actions of a president matter. And when this virus came to our shores, he committed to taking uh, every step that he could to encourage people to wear masks, to encourage people to socially distance, to do the things to look out for each other and try to get us through this crisis more quickly. Uh, that's something that he has done from the outset, and that's something that he'll continue to do in this campaign in the last 26 days. All right, Kate, I'm going to let you answer your phone. Seems like there must be something going on, getting a lot of calls right now. Kate Bettingfield from the Biden campaign. Thank you so much. 26 days of the election. I get it. I get it. A key government scientist working on a vaccine quits over the Trump administration's response to the virus. He's going to join me in his first interview since leaving his post Tuesday. Plus, new details emerging about the alleged plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan and overthrow the government. Stay with us. In our Health Lead today, as President Trump continues to ignore his home, own health experts, break isolation guidelines, and prematurely promote coronavirus therapies, one key Trump administration scientist says he's had enough. Rick Bright was the director of the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, called BARDA. He was directly involved in developing a coronavirus vaccine when he was abruptly ousted in April after criticizing hydroxychloroquine, the drug embraced by the president. Bright was then reassigned to a narrower role at the NIH, and days later filed an extensive whistleblower complaint accusing the administration of prioritizing cronyism over science. But now Bright is leaving the federal government altogether and filing an amendment to his whistleblower complaint. This is his first interview since his Tuesday resignation. And joining us now is Rick Bright. Thanks so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Jake, thanks for having me. So it has been less than a week since President Trump was diagnosed with coronavirus, or at least since we found out that he was diagnosed with coronavirus. He's been ignoring CDC guidelines to isolate. He's been going into the West Wing, uh, going into the Oval Office. He's been talking about how he wants to get back on the campaign trail, resume rallies. Uh, what's your reaction? Well, it's unfortunate, but it's absolutely predictable. I mean, this is a president who has refused to follow public health guidelines, and unfortunately, he has encouraged others to ignore those same guidelines. I would say it's very predictable that sooner or later, he was going to get infected, and his entire family and, and those close around him are also going to get infected. So we're seeing what we would predict play out in real life. Speaker Pelosi said today that the president is, quote, in an altered state right now and suggested, quote, there may be some impairment of judgment uh, due to the fact that not only does he have the virus, but he is on uh, a, a medication, including a steroid that is known to have as a possible side effect 
uh, effects on mood and irritability uh, and judgment. Um, is she going too far? Do you think that he is in an altered state right now, potentially? You know, what we're missing in this whole situation is transparency about really how sick the president is. We don't really have the truth about when he was infected, what stage of infection he's in. I don't think we know all of the various treatments he was given and what combination and what dosage. And so I would say anything's possible this time. I don't think she's going too far. I think she has every right to be concerned about his behavior about his response and about his recovery because we just don't know the truth yet. It's true. They, they have not been transparent. They've been opaque. Um, why does it matter? It matters because it's a message for America. It's a message for people around the world. We need to know what is wrong with our president. We need to know how sick he is, and we need to know what type of treatments he's getting so we can learn from that so other people will be able to follow the right example. The president is giving a very mixed message right now. He is not well. We would not want any other person on the planet to do the things he's doing this soon after knowing they're infected. We wouldn't want someone up out of the hospital bed with these types of experimental therapies right now. So he's leading with a very bad example for the entire world, actually. And how dangerous could that be theoretically? I mean, he is surrounded by, frankly, not a lot of guardrails. Uh, the people like General Kelly and General Mattis and others ha have long gone. And I don't know that he has anyone in his orbit who can tell him no, frankly. Uh, what does it mean if he's not thinking rationally uh, because of the medication he's on? It's very dangerous. He's in charge of a lot of things and makes a lot of important decisions for our country and for the world, actually. And if he's not in the right sound mind to make those decisions rationally, um, then he can be very reckless for our country and for the world. There are at least now 20 people in the president's orbit who are infected with COVID. Uh, that's as many as we know about. There might be more. Um, we still don't know, as you alluded to, we still don't know when he last tested negative, meaning we really don't have an idea of when he first contracted uh, the disease. The only explanation I can think of as to why they keep stonewalling on this very basic question, when did he last test negative, which gives us an idea of when he caught the virus, is that the answer is actually worse than the spectacle of the continued stonewalling. What do you think? Jake, that's the same behavior we've seen from this president since the start of the outbreak. He has never told us the truth about the risk or the seriousness of this outbreak. He has not told us the truth about his status or when he was infected. You're right. When you hide the truth and you're not transparent, you're hiding something much worse. And by hiding that, by lying to the American public and not telling us the full truth, you're actually prolonging the duration and the impact of this pandemic. You're actually allowing more people to die. You say it's time for more scientists and more medical professionals, such as yourself, to lay your careers on the line and push back against how the president is handling this pandemic, uh, as you did. Um, explain more what you mean by that and, and who you're talking about. Jake, there are so many career scientists in our government health care system, and these are the best scientists in the world. I mean, I would put the, the ex expertise and the experience and the judgment, the scientists we have, the CDC and the FDA and the NIH and at BARDA, all throughout our government, up next to or against anyone on the planet, and our scientists are going to shine. They are concerned about this White House and this administration overruling the best scientific judgment. They are concerned about the political pressure that has been put on them to change a course of behavior, a course of action, or to rewrite science, or come up with some fake science and then put it forward as, as the truth. 
So they're very frustrated. I hear from my colleagues across our government, in the healthcare system especially, who are very frustrated. They're concerned that the truth isn't getting out. They're concerned that the best guidance and practices aren't being heard. And they're concerned about the lack of leadership leading by example and encouraging people to follow those guidelines. So their frustration is because by blocking this information, by holding back their best evidence and their best guidance, then it is leading to more infections. It's leading to more hospitalizations. We have 30,000 people in our country right now in the hospital from COVID-19. More people are going to die because scientists are being pushed back. Scientists are not being heard. And I'm trying to speak up and encourage others like me in our medical field, in our scientific field, to speak up because Americans need to know the truth. The world needs to know the truth. And if we continue to hide the truth, then we're going to see many more deaths that don't need to occur. What is the truth that you're talking about that they're being prevented from saying? From this saying? is a deadly pandemic. This is a deadly virus. The messaging that President Trump gave to America and the world when he left the hospital about there is no need to be afraid of this virus is probably the most reckless, deadly piece of information I have ever heard. This virus is deadly. It is airborne. And now, finally, the CDC is being allowed by the White House to tell the world it is airborne. It spreads person to person very easily. Look at the hot spot from that Rose Garden ceremony for the Supreme Court nominee. That one situation, how many people are now infected from that one situation? That's an example for America to see how quickly and easily this virus can spread from person to person. What they're not seeing is the number of people then that they go on to infect, the number of those people that go into the hospital, and then all we're seeing is some tallies, some numbers. And the numbers have a way of hiding the true feelings of life and the emotion, the family, the names of the people that are dying from this virus. The truth is, this is deadly. The truth is, there are things that we can and should be doing to reduce the risk, to slow the spread, to protect our healthcare workers, to protect each other, and to save lives. And the White House refuses to tell people the truth about those measures and their impact. And you also talk about the politicization of this, the pressure uh, on uh, the scientific agencies to, for instance, when you filed your whistleblower report, it was about uh, earlier this year, you were objecting to the fact that, that you were being pushed to um, I act as if hydroxychloroquine was a cure-all, was a, was a reasonable therapeutic, when in actuality, uh, at the very least, uh, it is not proven to be that way, and, and at the very worst, it could actually hurt people. It's shameful what is happening from the White House, from this president and his senior administration officials in, in pushing unproven drugs forward as a panacea, as a miracle cure, as a cure-all, as a gift from God, all the ways that they describe these treatments without any evidence behind them. And pushing them forward, encouraging free, wide access to Americans in some cases in where Americans didn't even need to be diagnosed with COVID-19, knowing that these drugs could cause significant harm, these drugs could cause death even, it's reckless for the president and his administration to promote these. They're not scientists. They're not medical professionals. They're not healthcare professionals. The scientists know the truth, 
and their voice has been silenced. That is shameful from this White House. Stay right there. We're going to come back uh, to you. Uh, I want to ask you about the unproven therapeutics that President Trump is now pushing and the possible impact that that might have. That's next. Stay with us. This morning, President Trump was celebrating the experimental antibodies he was given at Walter Reed Medical Center on Friday, saying falsely that he thinks he's cured from his coronavirus infection. There is no cure for coronavirus, of course. We asked the ousted vaccine director, Rick Bright, who just resigned from the NIH, about this and why he ultimately decided to leave the Trump administration this week. Uh, I want to talk about uh, why you resigned in a second, but first, before you were reassigned uh, to NIH earlier this year, you were involved in developing a coronavirus vaccine as well as therapeutics to help people battling the illness. President Trump is calling the Regeneron antibody cocktail that he took at Walter Reed a cure. He says it's a cure. It's obviously not a cure. Uh, he says he wants to give this drug to every American free of charge. Is that, is that possible? Is that wise? It's too early to know if this drug really works. It's too early to know how safe it is and how effective it is. It's interesting that Regeneron is the first company that I put an agreement in place with in January at Varda um, to rapidly start developing monoclonal antibodies for this coronavirus. It's a proven platform. It's worked for Ebola. They were working on it for, for influenza and for MERS. It made sense to start it with this coronavirus. However, they're just finishing some clinical studies. They put a press release out about a week ago saying they took a quick look and it looks good, it looks encouraging. But we can't allow press releases to drive our science or our clinical judgment. We can't allow a company to promote their own drug and, and all of a sudden start taking the drug. So it's important that the scientists get all of the data from Regeneron, review that carefully for safety and for its effectiveness, and then make the best judgment on whether or not that drug should be considered for an emergency use authorization. When you talk about making it available for everyone across America, that's very premature. We don't have much data. I think 275 patients were treated so far in the press release. President Trump is one person. He was on more than one drug. Actually, we have no idea what all he was treated no, with. They still, they still won't tell us everything that he's on. So it, it, you cannot make a judgment that way. You cannot rush to judgment prematurely, especially as a world leader and make some announcement that this is a cure-all. Um, he hasn't seen the data. None of us have seen the data. Um, but it's not the first time he's done this. I mean, he thought hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine were miracles, a gift from God, a cure-all, miraculously going to address this virus. They weren't. He thought disinfectants were something we should look into. That wasn't a sarcastic comment. I watched it. I was horrified that I would get a call within a day at BARDA to start a clinical study or investigating how we could inject disinfectants. That was a real panic moment for us in science. And he prematurely pushed the FDA to give an emergency use authorization to convalescent plasma. We still don't have strong data. The NIH director, Francis Collins, and Dr. Tony Fauci have said the data is still out. We're not convinced that convalescent plasma is, the, is, is working the way they say it is, or they want to believe it is. So this president continues to get a small piece of anecdotal information 
from either his own personal treatment or from some friends of his. Like the MyPillow guy who was pushing the oleander extract. Yeah, that's scary. That is absolutely horrifying, and it does a disjustice to Americans and people around the world who hear him do that because they're looking to him to be a leader, to be honest, and to guide them through safe and effective treatments through the pandemic. And he has done anything but that by promoting these drugs that aren't supported by science, prematurely pressuring the FDA to put an emergency use authorization in place, and then subsequently potentially causing great harm by making them available for people without the evidence to know who should get it, when they should get it, how much they should get it. When you hear President Trump say that the vaccine is being delayed because of politics, and that's just politics, um, my impression is that it's actually the opposite, that it's politics from him pushing the scientists to act quicker than they want to according to protocols to keep us all safe. What is the, what is the reality here? The reality is it's irresponsible and reckless for the President of the United States to drive the evaluation of something as critical as a vaccine to meet an election timeline. He is doing that. He's mentioned it on numerous occasions that he wants the vaccine before the election. There is no rationale and the scientific judgment to move that vaccine to meet that target date. He is not a scientist. He's not a doctor. I say let the scientists do their job. I can guarantee you, Jake, that there are thousands of scientists in our government today, thousands or tens of thousands of scientists in the companies around the world working on these vaccines who are doing the right thing. We need to give them time to do their work. Remember, vaccines go into healthy people to try to protect them from disease. We do not want a vaccine to cause harm in those healthy people, and potentially more harm than they would prevent by preventing infection. So it takes time. Vaccines are very complicated to make. There's a lot of components, a lot of ingredients. The president says he's just trying to cut through the the red tape, uh, that there's just too much bureaucracy. He's trying to push things around to save lives. That's not true. Not at all. The scientists are working at breakneck speeds. It is unprecedented to see how fast they are moving through a lot of the steps. The one step you cannot rush is the safety evaluation of that vaccine after it's put in the people. That takes time. This phase three trial. Now remember, these people are getting uh, two doses of the vaccine about a month apart. And it takes some time after you get that second dose of vaccine to see if anything bad happens. Now we hope that nothing bad happens, but it doesn't always happen immediately. So all the scientists are asking for now, all the experts at the FDA are asking for now is to give the vaccine time to enable us to see if there are any bad effects that we should be concerned with. First do no harm, the Hippocratic Oath. First do no harm. Let me ask you a question. Um, When you filed your whistleblower complaint earlier this year and then you were reassigned from BARDA to the NIH, uh, there were a lot of critics uh, from the Trump administration of you uh, alleging that you don't manage your office well, that you mistreat staff, you fail to consult your superiors. I could go on and on. But let me just let me just cut to the chase here. Do you have an axe to grind here? Are you a Democrat that hates Donald Trump because of what he stands for? Why are you speaking out like this? Jake, I'm a scientist, and I have dedicated my entire life to trying to save people's lives. 
I've dedicated my career to studying pandemic outbreaks, to focus on development of vaccines and drugs and diagnostics, response. Every facet of responding to a pandemic is what I have dedicated my life career to do. And when this pandemic started, I sprung into action. I found out that I was moving light speed ahead of this administration. Before they were willing to admit we had a problem, I had plans in place to try to make a vaccine. I had plans in place to start drug development. I had plans in place to um, work on diagnostics and test. We knew what we had to do, but this administration refused to admit it. So I was, I think in their eyes, a fly in the ointment because I was pushing for the inevitable, this pandemic that was emerging. All the signs were there. I had no doubt in my mind and scientists like me had no doubt in their minds about where this was going once we saw what was happening in China. This administration didn't want to admit it. When I sounded the alarms to make masks to protect our healthcare workers, they resisted. When I sounded alarms to start vaccine development, they resisted. When I sounded alarms to buy swabs, the essential component for the test, they resisted. So. When I spoke up about the dangers of chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine and the recklessness that our public health political officials were doing to push this drug out, to flood the streets, is the note I saw from the White House directed, flood the streets. That was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. I could not sit by and be complicit and watch people in danger and watch people die. I had to speak up. When I did, they pushed me out. 25 years of vaccine and drug and diagnostic development kicked to the curb, to the NIH, demoted, ridiculed, as you said, disparaged in every way, called a deserter. My record speaks for itself. Stay right there. I have more questions for you. Uh, I'll be asking more about the whistleblower complaint and why, Wright says, this winter could be the darkest winter in modern American history. Stay with us. We're continuing our interview in our health lead. You just heard senior vaccine scientist Rick Bright say that more Americans are going to die from coronavirus because scientists are being sidelined by the Trump White House. Six months ago, Bright filed a whistleblower complaint claiming he had been demoted from his job at the Department of Health and Human Services for complaining about political interference in science. This week he resigned from government altogether. This is his first interview. You faulted specifically political operators in the Trump administration for not taking the pandemic seriously enough. Um, who specifically are you talking about? Are you talking about uh, HHS Secretary Alex Azar? Absolutely. I think it cascaded all the way down from the White House, from the President Trump to the Vice President. Those on that White House task force moved into the department of Secretary Azar and uh, the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness Response, Dr. Bob Cadillac. Um Last night, Vice President Pence would not answer the question when asked by Susan Page as to why the death toll for coronavirus is so much higher in the United States than for any other country, and our death rate is higher than for any other wealthy uh, country. Um, as someone who is inside the administration, can you answer the question, why? Why are we doing so much more poorly than any other comparable country? Because of failed leadership. Because of a, a reluctance to 
admit there was a problem because of a reluctance to tell America the truth, because of a reluctance to take critical actions up front. It disgusted me last night to hear Vice President Pence try to say that President Trump did all he could by um, putting in a travel ban from China in January. That is the only thing they actually talk about that they ever did. That alone was so insufficient to get in front of this virus. They don't recognize that many people, hundreds of thousands of people, were already coming into our country with this virus. So that one small travel ban, that's the only thing they hold out that they did, was not enough. And they deny the fact that if you do take a step, such as a travel ban, that is called an attempt to contain, contain the virus outside the country. When you contain and try to hold off the spread of a virus, you must be doing something else in the background to prepare for a breach in that containment. We breached, the virus breached that containment very quickly, and we weren't doing anything else to mitigate, plan for mitigation. And that is where this administration failed most. In May, you said this could be the darkest winter in modern history. It's now October. Um, more than 211,000 Americans have been killed. More than 7.5 million have been infected. Uh, cases are going up or s staying steady in, in most states. Um, what, what are you afraid is going to happen in November, December, January? This winter, we're going to have an explosion of cases of coronavirus. This winter, we're going to have an explosion of influenza infections and other respiratory infections. It's going to overwhelm our healthcare system again. We still don't have enough personal protective equipment for our doctors and nurses. We still don't have enough tests. We're still not doing enough testing. We still are not delivering and leading by example those critical measures. So one of these things, coronavirus is going to be compounded by influenza, compounded by other respiratory viruses, and it can be absolutely disastrous. And it doesn't have to be. Last question, sir. Um, it sounds as though you're saying that President Trump has blood on his hands, the blood of tens, if not hundreds of thousands of Americans. Is that what you think? I believe President Trump and this administration has failed America, failed to respond to this pandemic, and many people have died needlessly. There were many lives that were lost that we could have prevented. And there are many more lives that we're going to lose this winter that are preventable if we just had strong leadership, we just had truth and transparency coming from our White House and people who lead by example. So short of them doing that, it's criminal. More people will die. And I believe that from the bottom of my heart. Rick Bright, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Our other breaking news today, the Michigan governor is pointing her finger at President Trump after the FBI stops a plot to kidnap her and overthrow the government. Stay with us. Breaking news in our national lead, the FBI says they have stopped a domestic terrorist group, a militia plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan and overthrow the government. Michigan's Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer addressed this last hour, blaming hate groups that she said heard the rallying cries of President Trump, as CNN's Jessica Schneider reports. I knew this job would be hard, but I'll be honest, I never could have imagined anything like this. 
Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer speaking out against the alleged plot to kidnap her. You don't have to agree with me, but I do ask one thing. Never forget that we are all in this together. Today, the FBI charging six men in the conspiracy, saying the group plotted to kidnap the governor from her vacation home before the election. Authorities became aware of the scheme as they monitored social media and discovered a group of men based in Michigan mapping out how to violently overthrow government officials and target law enforcement. The alleged conspirators used operational security measures, including communicating by encrypted messaging platforms and used code words and phrases in an attempt to avoid detection by law enforcement. Law enforcement was able to track the group by using informants and undercover agents who recorded the men when they visited the governor's vacation home two times. Fox and Croft, in particular, according to the complaint, discussed detonating explosive devices to divert police from the area of the home. And Fox even inspected the underside of a Michigan highway bridge for places to seat an explosive. The complaint further alleges that Fox purchased a taser for use in the kidnapping and that the group successfully detonated an improvised explosive device wrapped with shrapnel to test its anti-personnel capabilities. State officials announcing separate terrorism charges against seven other men linked to a militia group, saying they plan to instigate civil war, target police officers, and storm the Capitol building in Lansing, taking hostages, including Governor Whitmer. All of us in Michigan can disagree about politics, but those disagreements should never, ever amount to violence. Whitmer has been a frequent target of President Trump over her coronavirus response. Trump saying this at a rally in her state last month. You'd be doing even better if you had a governor that knew what the hell she was doing. You got to open up the state. And tweeting, liberate Michigan in April. <laughs> Protesters and militia, some armed, have even gathered at the state capitol, calling for an end to Whitmer's stay-at-home order. The governor today blaming Trump for escalating the rhetoric. Stand back and stand by. Hate groups heard the president's words not as a rebuke, but as a rallying cry, as a call to action. When our leaders speak, their words matter. And Republicans around Michigan have rallied in support of Governor Whitmer. She, of course, is a Democrat. In fact, the state GOP chair putting it this way, saying political disputes should be settled at the ballot box, not by violence. But, Jake, so far tonight, there is absolutely no word from President Trump on all this. Jake? All right, Jessica Schneider, thanks so much. In our 2020 lead today, sources tell CNN that aides close to President Trump are trying to get him to stop making baseless claims about voting, such as this today. You pick up any paper in the country, practically, and they're cheating all over the place on the ballot. So how does that not a problem? That's a much bigger problem than China or Russia. Not true and not true. Foreign adversaries are looking to exploit Trump's frequent lies, according to America's intelligence chief on election security. CNN's Pamela Brown reports in our voting series, Making It Count. And I'm proud. 26 days to go until Election Day, and President Trump is showing no sign he will stop spreading misinformation about mail-in voting and voter fraud. It's a corrupt system. 
because they're sending out millions of ballots. CNN has learned some of Trump's aides have been trying to steer him away from these baseless voter fraud arguments and instead have him talk about how the mail-in ballots could cause confusion and even chaos. But Trump continues on. When you send out millions of ballots, when you're the sender, you can send them wherever you want. You can send them to Democrat areas, Republican areas. You don't have to send them at all. The disconnect between the candidate and the campaign also heard in poll watcher training videos created by the Trump campaign for 17 different states and reviewed by CNN. Essentially, the key is to behave yourself and not act like a fool. Now, one of the top U.S. intelligence officials on election security is acknowledging the president's false claims are being used by foreign powers. The director of National Counterintelligence and Security Center, Bill Evanina, telling Hearst Television, if they see a reference made by the president of the United States, a prominent U.S. senator, a business person, someone who America looks at as a voice of reason, and they believe it suits their interests, they will amplify that by a thousand to make sure that the most amount of people see it. In Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis is fighting an extension of voter registration deadlines after a system outage prevented some people from registering on the last day to do so. You can have the best site in the world. Sometimes there's hiccups on it. A court filing from an attorney for DeSantis says extending the deadline might sabotage, perhaps irreparably, Florida's efforts to maintain normalcy during this profoundly abnormal election cycle. Already, more than 5.4 million Americans have cast their votes. This according to CNN and an Edison research survey of election officials in 31 states reporting voting data. How will we do it? Now, a bipartisan group that includes Trump's former director of national intelligence, Dan Coats, is launching a $20 million campaign in several states, telling the public that the election is, quote, safe and secure. Help make sure every vote is counted, no matter who you vote for or how. And we have learned the Justice Department is letting prosecutors announce voter fraud investigations close to Election Day. This is an exception made to a 40-year-old policy that deterred prosecutors from making such announcements as to not influence the election. One election expert says this essentially gives the green light to impact the election, Jake. Of course. That's the point of it. Pamela Brown, thank you so much. In our national lead, we want to take a moment to honor some of the more than 212,000 American lives lost to this pandemic. Today, we are going to remember Julie Davis, a 49-year-old elementary school teacher in North Carolina, considered an inspiration for her young students. Her daughter described her as selfless and caring. Davis died just days after testing positive for coronavirus. May her memory be a blessing. Our condolences go out to her family. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. I'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.